You're listening to the Happy and Healthy Podcast with Amy Lang, founder of Moxie Club. When you're looking for lasting weight loss, join us here for the mindset you need, a dash of inspiration, and stories that will bring it all to life. Episode number 86. Well, hey there, Amy here. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Happy and Healthy Podcast. For those of you who are new to this podcast, this is probably one of the best ones that I have actually recorded for those who are just getting started. But before I get into today's topic, I wanted to find out if anyone here listening has heard of Tailtree. It's a relatively new company that was founded by Sumi Lim, and it's all about empowering your kids to develop confidence and interpersonal skills through creative exploration. So this company has an app as well as online camps. So there's a creative camp and special camps that are designed to help kids ages five to 12 to connect and grow with their peers. And I'm so excited and thrilled to be sharing with you that I'll be the guest expert on nutrition, exercise, and habits for the special camp taking place on September 24th. And as the details get firmed up, I'll be sharing more information about that. And of course, you can also get more info by going either to my website, moxie-club.com, or Tailtrees. So in preparation for the next start group, I have been working on version 2.0 of Worth the Wait. And one of the key concepts, and really the starting point for me, is this concept called the core premise. So for those of you who aren't familiar with this, I'm basically talking about an assertion that I'm making that if you want to get from point A to point B, this specific method is the best way to get there. And in many ways, when I talk about method for weight loss, for lasting weight loss, I like to think of it as a bowling pin. And actually, I learned this when I was working at a couple of startups right out of grad school, but it was in a completely different context. It was about marketing strategy. And specifically, it was about identifying a particular niche and then targeting all of your marketing and messages for that specific niche. So the idea here is to focus on that first bowling pin. And if you hit that, then you can ultimately get a strike. But again, the key is to knock over that first pin. And the results are really like the domino effect. So when I talk about the domino effect, this is not about the game of dominoes. This is about setting up a long line of dominoes and then gently tapping the first one and watching the chain reaction as each domino knocks down the one next to it. 
And if you watch any of the morning shows like the Today Show or Good Morning America, then you've probably seen some really elaborate designs that take hours and hours, if not weeks, to actually create. And then they knock over that one domino and they get to see what happens. So in the book, 10 Years Later by Hoda Kotb, she chronicles the stories of six amazing individuals. And she starts by identifying a game-changing event in their lives and then revisiting their lives a decade later. And one of those six people that she talks about is a woman named Amy Barnes, who escaped a truly abusive relationship with lots of domestic violence and then lost over 340 pounds without any surgery. And now she's a fitness coach and motivational speaker who encourages women like her to cultivate their mental and physical strength. And I bring up her story because these dramatic transformations provide clarity. That contrast from her life before to after provides clarity that something, something dramatic happened that changed the trajectory of her life. And I also want you to notice here that the book was titled 10 Years Later. So when I talk about trajectory, we're talking long game. Going back now to Worth the Weight 2.0, I'm also a firm believer that one size does not fit all. So for those of you who have been on the weight loss roller coaster and then finally got off, whether you've been working with me or you've been listening to this podcast, I believe you had an aha moment. And one of those aha moments could be the realization that the weight loss strategy that you had been using was flawed. So you've heard me talk about the importance of having the right strategy. In grad school, I learned you have to have the right strategy. Otherwise, it doesn't matter how good your execution is. So if your weight loss strategy treats weight loss like a project where you restrict calories and maybe exercise a lot more, when you think about it as a project, it also means you've already decided that what you're doing isn't sustainable. What you're doing isn't going to be something you're going to keep doing after you've lost the weight. In other words, if you think about weight loss like a project, then it would be like painting a wall. When you're done painting the wall, you want to move on to the next thing. So in weight loss terms, this means when we hit that goal weight, our project is complete. But unfortunately, that's not how weight loss works. When you stop doing whatever you were doing, the weight eventually comes back and the scale creeps up again. So what one of my mentors, James Wedmore, likes to say is what got you here won't get you there. 
Diets got you here. Healthy habits will get you there. And there's this fundamental belief here that time is on your side. And all you have to do then is figure out what the next step is, what habits you want to focus on first. Now for others, that aha moment could be recognizing that their past efforts trigger the feeling of deprivation. I've heard this a lot from folks who have done meal programs or anything that involved counting calories or tracking points, and especially from folks who have been on the ketogenic diet or some version of it. And the results are there's this backlash. For example, if you have a rule in your head that you should avoid bad carbs, or you should avoid carbs, period, or avoid fat, then you're very likely to be telling yourself that you can't eat pasta or enjoy cheese and crackers or ice cream. And if you do eat these foods, you'll gain weight. So again, you're telling yourself, I can't eat pasta or I'll gain weight. Maybe it's because in the past you've done the ketogenic diet as an example. And what happens when you then get a chance to eat these things? So when I talk about programs where you're counting calories or tracking points, one of the things that I've heard folks say is I'm saving my points for something. Maybe it's for a margarita, something that has a high point value, but not necessarily a nutrient-dense food. In other words, people aren't saving their points for a spinach and kale salad, as an example. It would be more likely to be a margarita or maybe a big piece of chocolate cake, something like that. And what ends up happening is in our brain, those high-point, high-calorie foods end up being forbidden foods. And in our brain, that means it's something we can't have. And we end up putting more value on these foods than really they have in the real world. It's all in our head. We really want this thing because we have told ourselves that we can't have it. So this particular process, this method doesn't serve us. It just makes the process of eating healthier and losing weight as a natural byproduct that much harder. Because what happens then when you get a chance to eat these forbidden foods? More than likely, you'll eat until you're stuffed. Because who knows when you're going to get a chance to eat them again? which then proves that you can't have them. It's more evidence for your brain that you can't have them. And maybe we can even sprinkle in some guilt. Oh, I ate this. I've already broken the seal, which could result in more eating. And then you have to get back on track at some point. So this is all about thought suppression, where our brain will wind up being preoccupied 
with thoughts that I can't have something. And for some, you might end up even with some rebellion. When the food police tells you you can't have something and you want to have it. As opposed to truly everything is okay in moderation. If you want to have pasta, go ahead and have pasta. Have ice cream. As a matter of fact, you can always have more. It's always been your choice. It's always been an option. And when you do that, then your brain isn't triggered into that state of deprivation. There's plenty. There's enough. I can have some more tomorrow if I want it. And moderation becomes very easy. And then for some folks that I've worked with, there's overeating that happens because you were told when you were a kid that you had to clean your plate. It's based on the expression, waste not, want not. It's all about being frugal. Or maybe six o'clock was dinner time, whether you were hungry or not. And so you learned to ignore both your hunger and satiety cues. And when you then learn to listen to your body again, and eat when you're hungry and stop when you're comfortably full and tell your brain again that you can always have more food if you really want it. What happens? Your body will actually tell you I've had enough. And over time, as part of that process of homeostasis or allostasis, your body will find a new set point and your weight will end up naturally being lower. And here's another big group. The folks that eat because they're emotionally hungry, not physically hungry. So this is when you're eating in order to deal with emotions. And it could be both positive emotions and negative ones. I think generally speaking, it is the negative ones that are the bigger issue. We tend to eat when we want to feel better and to soothe ourselves. So we wind up with comfort food. We eat when we're stressed. Again, more comfort food. When we're bored for the distraction or when we want to numb ourselves. And oftentimes that shows up as binging. So here, when we learn how to sit with and process our emotions, when we're able to focus on what we can control and we're able to reframe situations. So instead of triggering the threat response, we see it as an opportunity. We trigger the challenge response. What we're doing is we're embracing these stressful situations and using them as an opportunity to grow. As opposed to relying on food to alter our mood or perhaps not to even feel, not to deal with those emotions. And then there's another big group that has the thought 
when I lose the weight, I'll feel good about myself. But not until then. And this is actually starting from a place of self-loathing. Where you don't feel that you're good enough already. Oftentimes, I hear folks talk about that they have to put others' needs before their own. Happens a lot with moms. And another thought that's associated with this is, I will finally be happy when I lose the weight. And therefore, in all these cases, we want to get there to that goal weight as fast as possible. And I want you to recognize here that with this thought process comes this idea of, I will have arrived in this magical state of happiness. But arriving versus being in the state of happiness is treating happiness as a destination. And we all know that happiness is in the journey. So instead of starting from this place of self-loathing, we want to start from a place of self-love, where it is, I am already enough. And if you haven't been taking care of your body, then it's also, I deserve to feel better. So when we talk about lasting weight loss, awareness is clearly half the battle. And I would love to know, what's your aha moment? What's that lead bowling pin or that first domino that triggered or activated a chain reaction and caused maybe a shift in related behaviors or habits as well? So I'm looking for this thought or this behavior that triggered a cascade of events. And in case you haven't figured out yet what my core premise is here, it's that to achieve lasting weight loss, we want to work with your mind and body. And it's by working with your mind and body that we make lasting weight loss easy and inevitable. So, of course, the reason why I've been working on version 2.0 of Worth the Weight is because I'm opening up my schedule to take on new clients again in October. So, for those of you who aren't familiar with Moxie Club and Worth the Weight, the way the program works is this. When you join Moxie Club, you'll get lifetime access to the course, Worth the Weight, where I teach you how to work with your mind and your body instead of against it. And then you'll also get coaching and support to help you apply what you've learned. And to join the waitlist, you want to go to moxie-club.com slash presale. Okay, I am going to wrap up this podcast with a quote 
by C. M. Ryder. Sometimes you look back at the hardships of your life and you think, "That's the best thing that could have happened because it forced me to look at life differently." You've been listening to the Happy and Healthy podcast with Amy Lang. If you enjoyed today's episode, by all means, hit the subscribe button now. If you're ready to get started, visit my website moxieclub.com. That's M-O-X-I-E-C-L-U-B.com, and sign up for a free 20-minute coaching session with me. And remember. Making your choices when you're in a state of abundance is where the magic happens.